I'm Kevin Herton, in from Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. We are coming to you on Saturday and Sunday as Israel's war on Gaza continues to bring you the latest updates. Today, Gaza's hospitals are becoming graveyards as Israeli forces lay siege to them. It's Saturday, November 11th. As we record this, it's 12 noon GMT. That's 2 p.m. in Gaza and 7 a.m. in Washington, D.C. Palestinians reported that Israeli forces had laid siege to at least four hospitals in Gaza City as fighting there continued on Saturday morning, threatening tens of thousands who have taken refuge in medical facilities. Gaza City, in northern Gaza, remains largely cut off from the rest of the Gaza Strip by Israeli troops. As we speak, the remaining medical team members are doing their best to lend a helping hand to all those patients and victims struggling against death. We are left with no resources at all. That's Dr. Yusuf Aburish speaking to Al Jazeera from inside Al-Shifa Hospital, Gaza's largest. We ran out of power. We ran out of medical supplies. And we cannot do anything to help those in the hospital. Snipers are stationed all over the place, in addition to the drones that target and kill any moving person. A few minutes ago, one of the engineering teams was hit in the neck by a sniper, and he got paralyzed, and he is now about to die. Part of the hospital was shelled and caught fire. We do not have water. We do not have food, either for the medical teams or the patients or even the displaced persons who took refuge in the compound. A number of families from the displaced civilians risked their lives and tried to leave the gate, but they were targeted. Now they are lying dead a few meters away from the outer gate of the hospital. We cannot even reach them to rescue them. Those who had managed to flee Gaza City said they had done so under fire. This is Akram al-Satari, a journalist in Khan Yunis in southern Gaza Strip. I saw with my own eyes a child who's around uh, seven to nine years old who uh, was shot three bullets in the chest, the chest and in the abdomen when he was on his way to the southern Gaza. And I saw also one woman who was holding a child who's around, uh, who's less than one month and whom she said uh, that she didn't know who was his mother and she found him on the ground after the bombardment. Some of the people Akram spoke with said they had escaped the area around Al-Shifa Hospital and that they expected it to come under direct attack at any time. And they told us that they uh, saw the snipers uh, gunning down or shooting uh, people while the people were trying to flee from Al-Shifa because they thought the risk is imminent and that they would be killed anytime soon if they stayed uh, at Shifa. Those who have fled Gaza City have found more deprivation. The United Nations has now said more than one and a half million of the 2.3 million Palestinians in Gaza have been displaced, and that more than half of the enclave's homes have been destroyed. Where I live, around 2,000 people came 
all together at once uh, yesterday night. They didn't know where to go. They were going to the open areas, to the schools. Schools are already full of the people, of, of the IDPs. So some of them were sleeping in the open areas. Some of them were hosted by uh, people who were uh, generous enough to offer them a space or a place for a few hours till the morning so that they can start trying to find something or somewhere to stay in. Though it is relatively safer in the South, there are shortages of basic necessities across Gaza. Bread is luxury. Drinkable water is a challenge. Uh, everything that has to do with, uh, with, with leading a normal or semi-normal life is becoming a challenge for Gaza and for the Gazans. As of Saturday morning, the Israeli military has killed more than 11,000 Palestinians since October 7th. On Friday, French President Emmanuel Macron added his voice to those of other world leaders who are calling for a ceasefire. And day after day, what we saw is a permanent bombing of civilians in Gaza. I think this is the only solution we have, this ceasefire. Because it's impossible to explain we want to fight against terrorism by killing innocent people. And that's The Take for Saturday, November 11th. Please join us again here tomorrow. This episode was produced and mixed by David Enders with me, Kevin Hurton, in for Malik Bilal. With Sonia Bagat, Amy Walters, Khalid Sultan, Sari Al-Khalili, Miranda Lynn, Ashish Malhotra, Faranisa Kampana, Zayn Badr, and Chloe K. Lee. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Alex Locke is The Take's executive producer. And Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio.